Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, students. I don't know about y'all, but I was a little bit amazed at the number of students we had this morning. Um, that is a that is a huge praise God moment. Um, selfishly, I want to ask for some prayers because um, this afternoon somebody threw my name in the hat to speak to a lot of pastors over the state of Georgia about the necessity for multi-generational ministries in our churches. You've seen it this morning. You've seen the necessity for multi-generational ministries in our churches. Because unfortunately, we're facing some hard times when it comes to many churches not having kids in their church. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. The day that we don't hear screams of a child in our services is the day that we start dying. I know, I know a lot of people have a lot of mindset about different things. Well, we don't need to be hearing that. I dread the day I don't hear it. I dread the day that I don't hear children running around our sanctuary. I dread the day that we don't have to pick up cups outside because our teenagers have been out there playing cornhole and what have you. I dread the day when there are no children who have a desire or even an unction to follow God. And that should be the mindset of all of us. We're all very important to God's work here. Every single one of us, no matter the age, hear me out on that. No matter the age, you are very important in the work that God is doing here. Whether you are a senior wise person Are you an infant? Senior wise, not wide. <laughs> we talked this morning about stirring stuff up. <laughs> In Proverbs, I'll read it to you tomorrow. <laughs> but you're very important to the ministry that's here. But what we got to understand, guys, is as a church, is as we do move forward, we do have to look for opportunities to reach out to our community in times of need, but also in times of pain. My heart is absolutely torn this morning by what I've seen taking place in Maui. And I know some people say, well, it's over in Hawaii. That's a vacation area. No, those are people's homes. Those are people's homes. And this morning, as it stands, we're looking at 93 people who've entered eternity and probably that's not all the death toll yet. But 93 people entered eternity between Tuesday and today, or yesterday. And what bothered me the most was when I was listening to one of the, I was listening to one of the, um, oh my gosh, not the Navy, Coast Guard. One of the guys who was on one of the Coast Guard cutters out in the ocean, who was watching the fire. And they were clocking how fast the fire was going. And the speed at which this fire was traveling was unprecedented. And I mean, absolutely amazing. In a half mile, he watched the, this fire travel one half mile in less than a minute. When it hit those grasslands, everybody's like, well, how did they not escape a fire? When it hit those grasslands, it took off and it took off with fury. Just for all you football players. Seven seconds. Can you run 100 yards in seven seconds? That, <laughs> that's how fast. That's how fast this fire was traveling. That's why so many people have lost their lives. That's why it's important of what we're doing here in expanding the gospel to the four corners of the earth because we have a purpose and our purpose is to show people Jesus in difficult times. And this morning, before we even get started in this, I want us to take time and I want us to pray. I want us to pray for three different groups. First group I want us to pray for is I want you to be praying for all those who've lost loved ones because it is, it's absolutely devastating. The second group of people that I want you praying for are those who are finding these lost loved ones. Sometimes, unless you've been in a situation you really 
don't understand what's going on. And these people who are in the rescue and the recovery effort of finding all these loved ones, they're going to have scars in their mind that will never leave them. So we need to cover them in prayer. But also, let's pray that even in the midst of this, that God can use this as an opportunity for His purpose and His glory, because we serve a God to which nothing is impossible. So pray with me. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, just thankful for the opportunity to be here, to be with our loved ones, to be with our family, for the opportunity to be with you. And at the same time, Lord, our hearts are wrecked by what we've seen taking place in our own country. Father, I I can't even imagine what is going through these people's minds who are still trying to get in touch with family members, not even knowing if they're alive or or if they perished during this time. But regardless, Lord, I pray for these people who are missing loved ones, whether they're yet to be found or whether the inevitable's already come about, Lord, we just pray that you would give them comfort in a time that comfort just doesn't seem possible. We pray that you would give them peace, Lord, in a time to where their world is in turmoil. But we pray, Lord, that through this, Lord, that you will help your church to rise up to meet the needs of these people's spiritual well-being right where they are. I was so thankful this morning, Lord, to hear the one man proclaim Jesus Christ from the street. And I'm thankful that we know that we have brothers and sisters that are over there that are loving on these individuals. I'm thankful for the Samaritan's Purse. I'm thankful for all these people who have already got boots on the ground. But Father, I also want to pray for all of our people who are, who are over there in the recovery effort. Father, I can only imagine what's going through their mind right now as they're searching house to house, trying to find where some of these loved ones are. Father, I pray that you would give them perseverance to continue on with the mission that they have at hand. Father, I pray that you would give them hope because I know when in a time like this where you just see nothing but destruction and death, it becomes very hopeless to a point. So I pray, Lord, that you would give them a hope. But Father, I also pray that you would give them the grace that they need in the days to come as they wrestle with the things that they see. Father, situations like this are not easy. They're far from easy. But even in this, Lord, I know that you can use even this event for your purpose and your glory. And while we may not be able to see the full picture of it now, we know that one day, Lord, we'll be able to see how you worked in the middle of this. And Father, I just pray that even today, as we dig into your word, as we start talking about the battles and the struggles that we have, Father, I pray that you help us to find your purpose and your will in our lives every day, no matter the situation that we're going through. Father, we pray that as we dig into this scripture, that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart and a mind to understand what your word has for us this morning, and not only that, how we can apply it to our lives. Father, help us. Help us as we try our best to be your children. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So yesterday, yesterday, I hate kind of saying this because it sounds kind of selfish, but after the last three weeks of, of nonstop going and going and going, yesterday I took a down day. I took a me day. Y'all ever took a me day? I had to have a me day. Jennifer and the boys went away for a little while. It was just a me day. Well, I got to watching all the news about what's going on in in Maui. And I started going through YouTube because I love documentaries. And while I was thinking about all this with Maui, I thought about another fire that happened in 2008. 
and it was called the campfire. Some of you may have heard about this. It was the greatest disaster, fire disaster that had taken place in the United States up until 2018. And now it has been taken down. But I was watching that about how fast that fire was traveling because it was traveling at a very similar rate. It traveled so fast that people could not even get out of their homes. It traveled so fast that people couldn't get out of their cars. And unfortunately, 85 people died in that fire as well. But one thing that stuck out to me yesterday during the documentary that I was watching, they were interviewing the fire chief. And I love how some of these people do in the interviews. I love how they word some of their questions. And one of the questions was, what do you think you could have done different? That's a heavy question to lay on a fire chief after a fire of that magnitude has ripped through their community. Could they have responded faster? Well, I'm sure everybody can respond faster. But then the lady asked, said, but did you have a plan in play? And the fire chief takes out this three-ring binder. It had to be a six-inch three-ring binder. It's bigger than any binder I've ever seen before in my life. But in this six-inch three-ring binder was laid out the escape plan for Paradise, California, or the evacuation plan. It was greatly detailed. But you know what? Sometimes even in our plans of what we have for our life, sometimes even our plans just don't seem like enough, do they? Sometimes our plans fall short. What this fire chief was doing was this fire chief was fighting a battle. And like we started talking about last week, whether we realize it or not, we are fighting a battle. And one of the most important things that we can have in this battle is a battle plan. Luckily, God being sovereign and being all-knowing, knowing that we would need a battle plan, give us a battle plan, but not only that, give us, a direct, give us some ideas, or not some ideas, but some truths about who our enemy really is. And today, as we go into finishing knowing who God is, we're gonna talk about this battle plan. Now, I wanna warn you, y'all see it says part one. My wife has... Mm, I went home one day and I asked my wife, how was the sermon? She said, that's the best two sermons I've heard in a long time. So, <laughs> but she was right. Because sometimes I try to load a cannon. So I'm going to be breaking this down a little bit. But today we're going to be talking about the belt of truth. We're going to be talking about the breastplate of righteousness. And we're going to talk about the shoes of gospel peace. And guys, I want you to understand something as we read this scripture, that these three pieces of what we call the armor of God are vital in our life. Matter of fact, these three pieces should be internalized in us. They should be a part of us. And not only that, as some of you make your way back to school you need to internalize these things as well. Because a lot of things that we are battling today with culture, with opinions, and with situations all come from some of these things that we're gonna be talking about today. So here, let's start off in Ephesians 6. We're gonna read the whole scripture. We're gonna read 10 through 18. So follow along with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, and against the world of forces of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shrouded your feet 
with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith so that you will be able to extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition at all times in the spirit with this in view. Be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. When Paul was writing this to the Ephesians, you got to understand something. Paul was using an illustration that he was seeing right in front of him. Paul is writing to the Ephesians while he is in jail. And the person who is standing guard over him would have been a Roman soldier. So when he is writing this down, he is looking at this Roman soldier who is prepared for battle. And he's using some of the analogies of what this soldier is wearing to help him equip every believer in Ephesus for the battle that is coming. Brothers and sisters, the battle is here. The battle is not flesh and blood. The battle is against the ruler of this world, the evil one, the one who desires to keep everybody in darkness and the one who desires to deceive all. The battle is here. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with this battle. I struggle with the battle that I have with Satan every day of my life. And there's a lot of things that cause me to struggle with this battle. And one of the things that it does cause me to struggle with this battle is the first thing that he mentions in the armor of God. He mentions the belt. How important is a belt? You want me to take mine off and y'all find out? Now, ain't nobody want to see that, boys. You don't want to see that either. You know what happens if the belt comes off, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the belt is very true. It's very important because the belt keeps things in place. And notice what he said the belt represented. The belt represented truth. This is a hard subject in today's time. Because now we've got all these intellectuals telling us that there's all these different forms of truth. There's subjective truth. Subjective truth is truth that is based on the situation that you are in. There's objective truth. Objective truth is truth that is based on your opinions or your influences. And then there is normative truth. Normative truth or cultural truth is based on what is taking place in your culture. Now, here's the problem with them. See, when I grew up, there was only one truth. It was either true or it was a lie. Am I wrong? Anybody else grow up in that time? I didn't have to deal with subjective truth or objective truth or normative truth. But see, all this has come about in our time in a completely different ways. And one of the things that really brought this in, I think really brought this in, is we have confused truth with reality. And I know some of you are like, aren't they the same? Is truth and reality the same? No, they're not. Case in point, how many of y'all remember the real world? MTV's first reality TV show. And y'all remember it? I remember it. I remember when MTV used to play music all the time. And then I remember they started playing all these stories about all these people who lived together. And it was supposed to be this great thing because you could see how people live. You could, your life could be influenced by that. But later on, you would find out that it wasn't reality TV, that it was scripted TV, and that that reality was a lie. Hmm. 
A little bit later, we come out with this cool little gadget. And some of you might have them for your phone. Have y'all seen them, the goggles that you can put your phone through? And you can put these goggles on and it causes your, your phone to act as a virtual reality device. And there's a lot of people going to this virtual reality device. I mean, Facebook created this whole thing. They rechanged everything called the metaverse to where you can go into the metaverse, create your own, what's the word for it, baby? Avatar. I always wanted to be an avatar as if I wasn't fake enough. But you can create your own avatar and you can walk into these rooms and you can carry on a conversation with somebody. There are even churches that are having metaverse church, okay? Now get this, there is a room set up that looks very similar to what you were in. You put on your goggles and you go to church on Sunday mornings and that is how you be a part of the service. You know the problem with it? It's not real. It's called reality, but it is not real. And see, the reality of which we live in today, while it is very real, there's a lot of things to it that aren't true. I mean, think about this. The reality of the world that kids live in today is totally different from the world that I grew up in in 1977. Am I wrong? No. No, I'm not wrong. The reality of what is going on in our country is completely different from the reality of what was going on in our country in 1901. Am I wrong? No. The reality of what's going on in my life presently with the battles that I am fighting are completely different from the realities of things that I was battling when I was 16 years old. Am I wrong? No. Reality is ever changing. Our reality will constantly change as we move from one stage of life to another. So is our reality true? There are some truth aspects to our reality, but our reality is not absolute. It changes, and it always will. And see, this is where our whole mindset's got so foggy about this reality versus truth thing. There is absolute truth. Let me say that again. There is absolute truth. This truth is not affected by your opinions. This truth is not affected by your situation. This truth is not affected by the culture you're in. And this truth reigns true today, just like it did when this book was put together in 369 AD, but also just like the first part of the book was written somewhere somewhere around the neighborhood of 11 B.C. There are truths that have carried from the very beginning of the creation to the earth and will carry on into eternity. And they will never change. What are you talking about, Scotty? What's the truth? Death is a truth. Death is an absolute. It's not a reality. It's absolutely going to happen. It is absolutely going to take place in every one of our lives. Another truth, birth is an absolute. Every single person in this room was born. Am I wrong? Every single person in this room will die. But there's another reality to that truth that we've really got to face that's hard. Because even after our bodies die here, that doesn't mean we cease to exist. When Paul was telling the Ephesians to gird themselves with a belt of truth, he was telling them to take this belt, keep everything in place, keep their armor from flapping around, strengthen their back because the belts they had in those days were wide and they help strengthen your back. And hold to what is 
true. Not based on your situation, not based on your opinion, and not based on what your culture says. Hold to the things that are true. God and his word are true. For some people, this has not become a reality. This has not become a part of their mind. They have not absorbed this truth to the point that it has become real in them. But this is the first key to every single individual who is in a battle for the gospel. You have to know what is true and what is a lie. Paul earlier warned them in Ephesians 4, 14, he told them to be careful, to be careful and not be tossed around by every wind of doctrine or every situation that comes about because all of these things are nothing but the craftiness and the deceitfulness of man. And he tells them to stand guard. And also in 2 Timothy chapter 2, also he says something very similar in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He tells them not to be entangled by the affairs of this life. Because the affairs of this life are ever-changing. They're chaotic. They're back and forth. And there's no truth to a lot of them. But he also tells us that in our battles, Jesus actually told us this in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. This is what we've got to solidify in our hearts. God, regardless of the fire, regardless of the natural disaster, regardless of what is going on in our government, regardless of what is going on in our home, regardless of what's going on anywhere, God is in control. Do you believe it? Do you know it? And having this absolute in our life does something very important. This absolute gives us direction. This absolute tells us what is true for our life. And this absolute tells us what we really need. The first thing that we all have to have in our armor as we're fighting is we have to have truth. Without truth, all you're doing is fighting lie with lie, with opinion, with situation, with culture, with all these things. We have got to get back to what is true. And I know this is very controversial today. This is extremely controversial today because I hear a lot of people saying, well, I don't feel like that's true with me. Okay, so let's go on with that game. I feel like I'm president of the United States. <laughs> Changed my mind. So because I feel that way, does it make it true? I wish it was true. <laughs> Y'all would hate it if it was true. But that is the reality that we're fighting. And in that reality, what is true is extremely hard to find. I've got lots of opinions about things, guys. But when my opinion contradicts this, when my thoughts contradict this, when my culture contradicts this, when my situations contradict this, my thoughts, my opinions, my culture, my situations, they are all sin. And here's a hard reality to deal with truth. The wage of sin is 
death. That ought to break us. That ought to break every single one of us. Because the next thing that he tells us is he tells us that we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate had a very important part and role in defending the soldier. It defended the vital organs. But the most important organ that this breastplate guarded was the heart. And you know, we just, most of us are getting close to coming to an end in Sunday school of Proverbs. And you know, Proverbs told us to guard our hearts because out of our hearts comes the, or out of our mouths comes the overflow of our hearts. Do you want to know what that's really saying? It's saying your heart is an incubator and your mouth is a pressure valve. And what's going on in your heart will eventually come out that pressure valve when the pressure gets big enough. That's exactly what it's saying. And that's why it is important that we guard these hearts of ours. Because I know a lot of people have said, well, what garbage in, garbage out. I understand that. I get that. I really, truly get that. Because you've got to be careful what you allow in here. Because what you allow in here comes out here, comes out here, and goes out there. But at the same time, we've also got to understand the reality about our heart. It says that we are to take on the breastplate of righteousness. Hmm. Our biggest problem, our biggest problem is that we can never be good enough. You know that, right? Our biggest issue with ourselves and God is that we can never be good enough. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus said to a group of people in a big sermon, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Here's what he's saying, okay? Unless... Your best day is better than that of the holiest person you know. Everybody think about the holiest person you know. If you think about me, you've got problems. But everybody right now, think about the holiest person you know. Some of you may be thinking of Charles Stanley. Some of you may be thinking of Dr. David Jeremiah. Somebody, some, of you, some of you might be thinking of Tommy Green. I don't know. Um, some of you very well could be thinking of Jerry Carnes. Um, some of you might be thinking of Carolyn Gerard, but I can tell you different. Um, mm, mm, mm. But at the same time, think of the holiest person that you can think of. Can you be better than them? Can you? Because I can't. I can't at all. All of our hearts battle with this whole feeling of being good enough. And guys, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be called to the position that I am called to. That's something I struggle with. That's something that Aaron struggles with. That's something that Jerry struggles with. That's something that Tommy struggles with. We're not good enough. But at the same time, then this truth comes about in Romans 3, 21 through 23. Listen to what it says. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith, underline that, in Jesus Christ for those who believe. For there is no distinction. But listen to what 23 says. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know what that verse is saying there at the end? Here's what that's saying. That verse is saying Charles Stanley is not good enough. 
That verse is saying, Dr. David Jeremiah is not good enough. That verse is saying that Jerry Carnes is not good enough. That verse is saying that Scotty Gerard doesn't even come close. That verse is saying that every single one of us is not good enough. And the reason that Paul is telling us to put on the breastplate of righteousness is because he's reminding us to put on the breastplate of God's righteousness and not ours. You see, our righteousness was never good enough for us to make our way to God. We needed somebody else's righteousness to get there. That righteousness come in the form of, just like he said there in verse 22, through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness of every believer out there is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, hear me out on this because even though we can be down on ourselves about our righteousness because it will never be good enough, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that we have is the best righteousness that you can get. You can't get no better. And it's not because we were good enough to get it. It's because he loved us enough to give it. That is the reality of what it means to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not about how good I am. It's about how good he is. And see, this guards us from so much. This guards us from so many things because every one of us fought that battle. I'm not good enough. We already knew it. None of us are good enough. If any single individual could have been good enough, Jesus would not have had to die. Because it said that God so loved the world. Everybody. That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That is the righteousness that is given to you. We need the truth to know what is real in our battle. We need the righteousness to know that we can face the battle. We can face it. And some of you are saying, well, there's a good chance we'll fail. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a good chance that I will fail. There is a good chance that you will fail. But there is no chance that the righteousness of God will ever fail. It is enough and it is sufficient. And that's what it means to put on that righteousness. Internalize that. That righteousness is not yours. It's Jesus's. And Jesus said that you are good enough because he gave it all to show you. Make that yours. The next thing he says, he says to put on the sandals of gospel peace. It is true. It's true. Shoes complete an outfit. Women, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Y'all know I'm not wrong because if I was wrong, you wouldn't have went in in your bedroom went up to your husband and said, do you like these or do you like these? <laughs> Why y'all do that to us? Y'all know that most of us married opposites, right? So we're going to pick the opposite shoe that you don't like. <laughs> and when we say we like those, it's just like... Man, it's like taking candy away from a kid. You just see the whole demeanor of your wife just collapse. Oh, these, the womb! <laughs> see, the boys have already been suffered to it too. Bless their heart. But shoes complete an outfit. Shoes in the morning. This is our biggest fight in the morning. We're getting ready for school right now. And we got kids running out the door in their socks with their backpacks and everything else on. But you know what they forget? They forget their shoes. What's wrong with you? You forget a lot of things. We moved to, we moved to tie shoes now. That makes it even harder. Used to it was Velcro. You put them on, Velcro them up, they're good to go. But understand what shoes symbolize. When you put your shoes on, 
This is why I said it really completes an outfit. Shoes complete an outfit because normally it is the last thing that you put on. Am I wrong? And when you put on these things last, what does that mean? That means you're ready to go. This is why Jennifer is constantly yelling at me when we're late for somewhere. Put on your shoes, put on your shoes, put on your shoes. Because shoes show a readiness. Shoes show that we're ready for what's ahead. And the same thing with the Romans' shoes. The Romans' shoes were different. And I know some people think, well, that's not much protection. They had sandals, okay? They had Jerusalem cruisers, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> they had sandals. Not a lot of protection with a pair of sandals, is there? One thing their sandals did have, their sandals actually had two things. The first thing their sandal had was this shroud that went up on the shin. This is ingenious. Have any of y'all run around the back of a truck with somebody who's got one of them hitches that sticks out four foot? They hadn't carried nothing in two months, but they still got that hitch on the back of their truck. You know what I mean? You hit it, you turn it to somersault, words come from your mouth that you don't want anybody to hear. That hurts. I know everybody's got these things where if I get to, if I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. I'm asking him couldn't have done a little bit more, a little bit more protection. Maybe make fat grow down there, God. I mean, that would have been a good place for fat to grow. Am I wrong? That would have been a great place for fat to grow. But it protected his heels. But the other thing that was on the sandals was very important. They would take nails and they would drive them through the soles of these sandals. These sandals were just like any other sandals. They didn't have all these shoes like we have today. They didn't have running shoes. Matter of fact, if they run, they run barefooted. Mm. Kind of hurt. But when it came to battle, they went in with these sandals and these sandals had nails drove through the sole of them. And the purpose was to give them traction. They probably looked a lot of like some of your golfing cleats, little stubby spikes, just enough to give you some good traction. And the reason being is because what you stand on is extremely important. You don't want to slip, you don't want to slide, and you don't want to stumble. So when we enter into battle, there's really only one thing that we can stand on. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel is the foundation which Christ laid for us. And it is the only foundation that we as a church should build on. It's the only, it's the only foundation that we should enter in, into a battle with. Because the gospel is what gives us traction. And I know some of you are like, well, Scotty, how does the gospel give you traction? I'm glad you asked. Good question. Because the gospel tells us that the best is still to come. Think about that for a minute. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that even though we die, we spend eternity with him. That's good news. Is it not? Do you want me to repeat that? Do you want me to reiterate the other news? If you die without the gospel, you burn in hell. Now, which is good news? This gives us traction. And the traction it gives us is the traction that we need to move forward. But you know, something else comes about with traction. And part of that is something that all of us long for. The peace of the gospel. For us as believers, our biggest problem our biggest problem that we could ever face has been nailed to a cross and is finished. 
the biggest thing that we could ever stand up against is finished. And I know some people say, well, you only need the gospel once in your life, but that's a lie because I need the gospel every day because what am I telling myself on a daily basis? I'm telling myself I'm not good enough. On a daily basis, I'm telling myself I can't do this. On a daily basis, I'm telling myself, remember what you did back then? But on a daily basis, the gospel is telling us that that is forgiven. And you are so valuable that God gave his son and his life for you. And now he has something for you to do. Be ready with that gospel and advance it. Because, you know, a lot of people tell us that man's greatest problem is hunger. Because a hungry man that dies with Jesus in his heart still experiences the wedding banquet. Some will tell us that man's greatest problem is sickness. <laughs> no. Because the sickest man with Jesus in his heart still enters heaven healed. Some will say that our biggest problem is social justice issues and things like that. No, no. Because the person who is unfairly treated on this earth but has Jesus in his heart stands before a just and righteous God who says, come on in. You see, all these things that we think are our greatest problems are nothing. And matter of fact, all these things that we consider our greatest problems only exist here. The gospel is the main part of our advancement to fight this battle. And it's not just for the lost. It's not just for the broken. It is also for the saved. Because the gospel screams all the time that you can face this. The gospel screams all the time the battle is already won. And the gospel screams on a daily basis this is how much I love you. What you hold in here before you go into battle will affect how you fight that battle. And what bothers me the most is I see Christians living what seems to be a defeated life. Brothers and sisters, we're not defeated. We're victorious. The battle is not the problem. Our perspective of God, His truth, His righteousness, and His gospel, that's the real problem. Have you internalized that truth? Have you really let that set in and take hold of you? That God does have an absolute truth about a lot of things in this world. And I know a lot of people will say, well, there's my opinion of this, my opinion of that. Let me challenge you this. Whenever you have an opinion on what you think's going on in the, wor in the world, hit it with the word. What does the word say about your opinion? What does God's word say about your opinion? And then go off of that. Righteousness. <laughs> I, don't, I can't tell you how many people tell me, I'll get, when I get my life back going right, Scotty, I'll, I'll start coming back to church. Man, how foolish is that? Because none of y'all got y'all's life going back right and y'all are still here. I am too. But that's the truth. The righteousness that we need is not our righteousness. We need Christ's righteousness. And he gives it to us freely. And he tells us that in the gospel. So before we start tomorrow, this new day of our battle, today I'm asking you to solidify God's truth, God's righteousness, 
and God's gospel in your heart today. Pray with me. Father, Satan is a crafty one, isn't he? He's told us all many lies. He's tried to steer what is true and what is what is reality. But the truth is, God, you're the only one who has truth. Everything else is an opinion, a situation, or a cultural issue. So, Father, I just pray that you help us be wise to his schemes when it comes to truth. Father, I pray that you would help us. Help us to be wise about the righteousness that we've been given. That it's not about what we've done or what we can accomplish. It's all about what you've done. And this righteousness, you freely give it to us. So help us, Lord, to embrace your righteousness. Father, your gospel. Your gospel is the greatest news that we could have ever heard. Everything else fails in comparison. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be ready with that gospel. That you would help us move forward into this battle. Because it is a battle of life and death. And even as we've seen this weekend, Lord, we know that tomorrow is not promised. So Father, help us to be ready to advance that gospel today. But help us to remember what that gospel has done for us. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the opportunity that we've had this morning to dig into your word, to worship you, to praise you. But right now, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit will be moving in all of our lives. Whether we need to just come, Lord, and embrace the truth, the righteousness that you've already given us, or if somebody needs this morning, Lord, to embrace the gospel, allow your Spirit to draw them. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As they come up to sing, as you stand, deal with God however he's dealing with you. Whether you need to be at the altar this morning just to embrace that righteousness, embrace that truth, embrace that gospel. Don't worry about what other people think. This ain't about you and them. This is about you and God. And you respond to him as he draws you. Possession.
schoolers and high schoolers where are my high schoolers at they fell asleep when I saw them right there I'll share some truth with you I didn't like school that's as true as I can get let me tell you why I didn't really like school I didn't like school because you see there was a um, there was a lot of opinions there's a lot of cultural things <laughs> there's a lot of situations that made school hard. And it left me constantly trying to play a game. You know what I'm saying? Keeping up with other people. And one day I realized that, you know, I'm never going to make these people happy. I'm never going to be good enough for any of these people. I'm never going to be good enough for this clique or that group or what have you. And it was a dark time for me. But one day I realized that all those subjective, objective, and normative truths, they were all a lie. And the way I found this out is I found out that Jesus loved me so much that he loved me in spite of my failures. He loved me in spite of not being good enough. He loved me in spite of all my sins. And he died for me. And you know what he gave me after that? He gave me a mission to let everybody else know that as well. Here's why this is important. 50% of kids today will battle with suicidal tendencies and thoughts. And alarmingly, it's getting bigger. And you know why they're battling this? They're battling this because of what they believe to be is true. Situational. Opinion. And even cultural issues. Show the love that Jesus has showed you. Show them that they are important. And you know what? Invite them this Wednesday night. Invite them to come with you. Let them experience the same love that you've experienced. This Wednesday night, we kick back off our meals. Going to be a great time of fellowship, getting back into small groups. Tommy gets all his choir back here at one time. He is so excited. And he's getting to go to the school bus and get up at 5 a.m., pick up kids. He ain't smiling no more. But y'all remember this week we do, we do kick things back off. There was one other announcement that I needed to make. Oh, also, next Saturday, Mountain Fellowship Camp is having a work day. If you don't have anything to do, Tim, Lisa, raise your hand. I didn't even see y'all. <laughs> see, Tim and Lisa, they will put you to work, slave drivers. <laughs> hey, won't you do me a favor? Will you dismiss us in prayer? All right.
Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.